Welcome to Pushing the Limits, the show that helps you reach your full potential with your host, Lisa Tarmati, brought to you by lisatarmati.com. Hey everyone, Lisa Tamadi here at Pushing the Limits. Fantastic to have you with me again this week. Today I have another superstar for you, but before we get over to our really special guest, um, I just want to ask you a favour. Can you guys go and do a rating and review on iTunes or whatever podcast platform you use? That really, really helps the show. And if you wouldn't mind sharing it with your friends and your family, that would be great if you get a lot of benefit out of it. We've been going for five and a half years and it's been a public service for that whole time so I really appreciate a little bit of support we want to get our numbers up further we uh, are a globally top 200 ranked show now in health fitness and medicine and it's been a real privilege and an honour to keep doing this for that long when I first started I had no idea what I'm doing I still don't but I'm really enjoying the ride Um, now today I have Dr Tabitha Barbara now Dr Tabitha is a uh, functional gynaecologist Uh, so this is an episode specifically really for the ladies out there. Um, I do promise, guys, we will get to topics for you as well. But um, this one is really all around uh, women's health and our not only our physical and hormonal health, but also our mental health and how to look after ourselves. Now, Dr. Tabitha has a very interesting backstory, um, coming from a very poor background, getting pregnant at 17. Um, I should let her tell the story um, and how she became this really big, famous doctor. Uh, incredible person. And, and then how she stepped away from the super successful practice to go and find uh, a more holistic approach because the standard uh, surgical approach was no longer working for her or for her clients, she believed. And so she stepped into this world of functional gynecology. Um, hormones are one of my passions. I'm very uh, passionate about helping women with hormonal problems. I do a DNA testing program where we look specifically at hormone health as one of the areas that I work in and um, what Dr. Tabitha talks about resonates really deeply with me. Um, I've had my own long journeys with problems within this department and um, I really want to help a lot of women and, and, and guys. I work with guys as well um, in this area. And Dr. Tabitha also works with people. So really great information. Before we head over to the show, I do want to remind you, and we do talk about it in this uh, episode a little bit, the power of epigenetics. We have an epigenetics program which looks at your genes and how to optimize your genes. And this is actually very relevant to the whole hormonal story. Um, So understanding how your genes, what your genes are, and then how to optimize your environment so that they fit those genes. So what's right for you is not necessarily right for your neighbor. You need to have this all personalized approach to medicine. And this is what's coming down the line. And I'm super excited by some of the uh, technologies and information and the sensors and the wearables and the data that's been collected so that we can actually improve our health and get uh, a much more preventative picture so it's very very exciting all this space so i'm going to head over now to dr tabitha barbara i hope you enjoy this episode um, but if you want to reach out to us about the epigenetics program please do that you can go to lisatarmity.com hit the work with us button and you'll see our peak epigenetics program we also do this in the corporate setting we do corporate wellness programs i am of course a, a motivational speaker i've been doing that for 15 years i've traveled all over the world speaking and now with COVID, I'm doing a lot online. So even now where we're not um, able to meet always at big conferences, um, we do 
Dudu speaking online as well. So if you want help with um, an event, you've got a team that you're looking after and you want to have some motivational speaker come in, then I would love to help you and have a chat with you. So before we get over, just a reminder to, to yeah, share this content, share it all around the place. I really would appreciate that. And uh, yeah, over to the show now with Dr. Tabitha Barbara. Well, hi, everyone, and welcome back to Pushing the Limits. Today, I have a fantastic guest that I've uncovered for you guys today again. I have Dr. Uh, Tabitha Barbara with me. Welcome to the show, Dr. Tabitha. Lovely to have you. Oh, thank you, Lisa. I'm so excited to be here. It's very cool. Um, now, you are a functional gynecologist. Is that how you would describe yourself? Yeah, so I actually coined the term. I just made it up because I couldn't describe <laughs> I couldn't figure out any other way to describe what I was doing. I was a conventional OBGYN and I gave up delivering babies. I gave up doing surgery because what I realized was figuring out the root cause of people's issues and healing them with functional medicine. I could take care of so many of their GYN issues without ever touching them. And it was so powerful. And I was like, what do I do? I guess I'm the functional gynecologist. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. So, so let's take a little bit of a step back because your backstory really fascinated me. Um, you, you've, you've had a, you had a long road to get where you are today. Um, can you tell us a little yes. bit about how you got into, you know, your, your, your backstory, your backstory with medicine and your own health issues, if you don't mind sharing a little bit about that and, you know, how you sort of got to where you are? Oh, my gosh. Thank you for asking. I just find when we share our stories, it's so powerful because I feel like everybody can relate to someone on some level, you know, some experience they've been through. And I was just a wild, have fun kind of kid. I didn't have any boundaries or much authority. I didn't have rules. Like I just came and went as I pleased. And so I got into a lot of trouble. I did a lot of stupid stuff, you know, because I was raising myself essentially. And I got in with the wrong crowd. I made the wrong choices. I didn't pay attention in school. And I ended up getting pregnant in 11th grade. And I dropped out because I needed to stay home and take care of her. But I will tell you, going through that pregnancy, like, grew me up. Oh, my gosh. I had to be on Medicaid, which is, you know, for poor people, it's the insurance in the United States. I had to have food stamps so the government pays for your food. And it was very embarrassing, very belittling. I had a lot of bad experiences. Wow. I was given um, a really old family practice doctor who didn't even really take care of pregnant women, but he would take my insurance. And so that's oh who God. I got. Yeah. And yeah. as a 16, 17 year old girl, there were no conversations, like nothing was explained to me. I didn't give any kind of informed consent for things. Things just happened to me. And after the fact, looking back, I learned so much. And what I realized was this all happened to me for a reason. It opened my eyes and it made me realize that women, especially in our country, especially young girls with no money, 
they need a voice and a choice and they need someone to help guide them through. And so I just realized like, oh my gosh, this is my purpose in life is to help other women not go through what I went through. I can't let this all be in vain. And, you know, I was a high school dropout, so I didn't really know how I was going to go about it. But I just figured it out. I was I, I figured out like here's my goal and I got my crap together and I I just changed my entire life. So it can be done. Wow. I mean, that is incredible to go from someone who's a high school dropout to being now a really well-respected top gynecologist is a long road. <laughs> and for someone who didn't have, you know, a great background and parents that were, you know, behind you all the way and putting you through the right schools and doing all of that, how the heck did you get from, you know, a, a, a single mum who's, you know, very, very young and inexperienced and who's been through probably a lot of, you know, shit and crap and abuse, no doubt, um, to to actually even getting into medical school. How does that happen? Because <laughs> that alone is, is, is a mission. Right. Uh, no, I've been asked that a hundred times and, you know, I've done a lot of soul searching about it. And what it comes down to is I had good parents at heart. They were super hardworking. They worked seven days a week. That's why I had no guidance because they yeah. were busy trying to put food on the table. Right. Yep. And yep. my mom was really strong in her faith. So she brought me up in a Christian church and I always knew that God had my back. And so every time I would struggle and feel alone and feel like there was no hope, I would turn to that faith. And I just had this little voice deep inside of me that would say, you know what, you're better than this. This is not your destiny. This is not who you're meant to be. You need to rise above and I got you and let's do this. And I believed that little voice, you know, who I believe is God. And I just used that along with my parents' hard work ethic. And I just kept telling myself, like, it will be worth it. And I would envision how I wanted to be as a person, how I wanted to feel, how I wanted to look and behave. And i that's what I would strive for. I didn't worry about how I was in the moment. I didn't worry about the fact <laughs> that wow. I was poor and struggling and whatever else. I just kept envisioning what I could be and and now and now I'm here and that's another story we need to talk about because I finally made it right like I'm a successful doctor I have the fancy job and the salary and the 401k and everything should be great but I was working myself to death I was Mm -hmm. killing myself for my patients and I was abusing my body and neglecting myself to the point where I broke myself Mm -hmm. and So what I want women to understand is your purpose, your goals, your dreams can change and they should as you grow and change as a person. And so I had to do another big, scary thing 20 years after I got everything I wanted because it wasn't what I wanted anymore. So that's really that was a really hard decision, you know. Heck yeah, because you'd worked so hard. And I, I can so relate to that that one because, you know, like I've done pretty much the same thing in different different fields, different different journey, yeah. but absolutely blew myself to pieces, doing too much, trying to achieve too much, burning yourself out, um, thinking that you're superwoman and I can handle it. <laughs> and, uh, um, you know, did some incredible things. 
but at the same time, you got left on the side to track, you know, um, and it's very, very difficult too when you're a very nurturing, caring person who wants to save the world, which I think you probably are as well. I definitely am. Um, so you take on the, the the responsibilities, like it's my responsibility. I remember reading in your story, you were saying, I didn't feel like I could even step away from my work to take care of myself for a little while in order to, you know, readjust where the heck I am. And I'm like, yep, <laughs> I know yeah. the problem very well. Um, we get into the sort of superwoman complex, I think, you know, is, is a good way to describe it. It was like, and especially when you've achieved something incredible, which you did, you know, going from <clears throat> not, you know, having things really, very easy for you and then achieving such a great level of, of success and achievement and helping so many people to then think, well, now I have to, what, turn around and start taking care of myself, you know, like that hadn't been on the agenda when you're going for broke, you know, when you're, when you're, when you're hard charging, you're going after your goal, you've got this big mission, then you think, well, that's the way I have to live my life. I have to beat the crap out of myself every day you know not not physically but just you know I have to work like a maniac I have to work long hours and as a doctor that's sort of expected as well isn't it oh yeah and as a female physician you have to do double the amount to prove your worth than a male does right so the other hard piece of it was people make you feel bad because well now you have it all. You got what you wanted. Why are you complaining? Why isn't this life good enough for you? You know, and it's like, but that's not what it's about. It's not like I I achieved it to attain something. I'm trying to reach the masses and help women and have a voice and a choice. And so the way I'm going about it needed to change because it wasn't sustainable for me as a person. And I see this every day in my practice. Women get into the, like their early mid forties and they realize they've accomplished everything they've wanted. They have their families and why aren't they happy? And it's because they really aren't being true and authentic to themselves and to what they want out of their life. And so every day I see my issue like on a smaller scale with my patients. And so I've just become be super passionate about helping women realize like you don't need antidepressants and all these menopausal drugs it's that you have just spent 20 years like giving to everyone and becoming everything that society wants you to become and fulfill those dreams and then you're left going wait what about me? I'm broken. I'm empty. Maybe that's not what I wanted, or maybe it was what I wanted, but now it's not what I want. And that's okay. And so if women would just like allow themselves to feel that, we'd be so much better off. And, and I think, you know, it sort of starts to catch up with you when you start to have uh, you know, hormonal changes and your mitochondria aren't perhaps as efficient as they used to be and you're struggling with energy and, um, and you, yeah, you've been on this path <clears throat> that was meant to, and you suddenly have this, I suppose it's a midlife crisis really with what we're talking about, where you get to the point and you go, hang on a minute, I'm running out of time. And I think like, especially you know, like I'm very mission driven and I think you probably are too by the sounds of it. Yeah. Um, it's very hard. Like I have a, because I studied genetics and epigenetics and 
functional genomics and I'm so, so fascinated by the fact that um, you know our neurotransmitters do certain things in our body and make us behave in certain ways or predispose us to behaving in certain ways but I, that I can take control of that to, to a large degree you know so like I have um, um, a heck of a lot of adrenaline and a lack of dopamine in my body I don't have as much dopamine receptors so that makes me very mission orientated and very mission driven and very um, adrenaline orientated so very action take action now not great at planning, not great at systems, much to my business partner's uh, dismay at times. Um, but really, you know, good with big picture, following a big mission, achieving, you know, cool stuff. Um, but when you understand a little bit of how you work, and we all function very, very differently. So when you, when you look at genetics and stuff that, uh, and your environment and your, your history, you put those all together and then you can help so that people say, well, this is a good way to ha- perhaps think about managing your energy and so on. So like for me, that means that I have to move a lot. I need movement. I need exercise. I need time outside. I need time for my brain to just stare at the horizon every day and just go, huh? Because <laughs> like, the rest of the time my brain is going like 99 miles an hour and, you know, just, just, just charging all the time. So you need to take that step back. And that's self-care. That's self-love. That's um, actually starting to understand how you tick specifically. So it's not about giving up on your your big dreams so much as is is changing the way you behave. Would you do you see it like that as well? Oh, without a doubt. And I also see women that make they've just they feel so guilty. Like I can't possibly take time for myself. How would I? like miss my kid's soccer practice or not, you know, make it to this meeting to go and exercise. And I remember one day my mom said to me, do you know why I have been taking care of myself? And I said, no, she said, because I don't want to be a burden to you when I'm old. I don't want to have you take care of me the way I took care of my mother. And that was like the most selfless thing she could ever do. Yet we see it as a selfish act when it's in fact a selfless act. You are giving a gift to the ones you love that no one else can give. You are giving them your health and your sustainability to be around for them so they don't have to take care of you they don't have that burden hopefully and that just really was like a slap in the face to me like thank you mom holy crap are you gonna save me a ton of heartache and misery because i'm hopefully not gonna be you're not gonna be bedridden and all that for decades where so many women are yep and so that really got me moving. I was like, you know what? I need to be the same way. I need to teach my daughters like self-care is selfless and it's necessary. And that was the other impetus for me leaving my job because it was destroying me physically and I needed to take care of me. And my patients were very understanding. They were like, we get it. We see that you're sleep deprived and you deliver babies all night and work all day and you're exhausted. And so I think if we can like support each other as women and say, this working nonstop from dusk till dawn every day, running ourselves into the ground, that's complete nonsense. And we shouldn't praise it. We should support each other in taking care of ourselves and making ourselves a priority. So 
It's beautiful. That's like my big mission. It's now. your big it's mission. Like, <laughs> oh my gosh. Just you got to take care of yourself because no one else will. No, no one will ever put you first and tell you go exercise, go eat right. Like they just won't. No, and everyone's dealing with their own, you know. And I mean, yeah. like that that story with with your mom just really hit home because you know my mom was the most beautiful, amazing mom you can possibly ever have. Just always, always there for me. If I look back in my entire history, like she was the one that. But she didn't prioritize self care, and what happened to her? She had a massive aneurysm five years ago, right. <clears throat> and I've spent the last five years, you know, digging our way out of the shit, so to speak. <laughs> and you know, yeah. gladly because it's my mum and she was just amazing and we've done it and we're, you know, we continue to do it. She's now 80 and I'm, you know, always after the latest, greatest thing for her. Um, But how wouldn't it have been better if we hadn't had to go through that? And you can't prevent everything. Some things can happen just regardless of how well you look after yourself. We, 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 you know, we aren't God. We can't make those decisions, but we can take care of ourselves and try to prevent. And this is where, you know, our worlds collide. You know, we're both in the, the prevention space too and the optimization space. And this is, you know, a, a, a a bugbear of mine about the the current medical system is that we are very much in a reactive state and always the ambulance at the bottom of the cliff and nobody's sort of looking at well how can we optimize and you know with the, with the technology that we have now with the sensors and the stuff that's coming it's even greater we're going to be able to monitor ourselves so much better you know like at the moment you might go to the doctor once a year and get a blood test a very basic blood test and they'll go yep you're good no no worries you know and it's like uh, is that it we know more about our car and our dashboard and our car than I do about what's under the hood in my body. You know, like that's got to change because then if we if we shift that whole emphasis into picking things up early, then we can we can we can head things off at the pass. And this is where I love genetics because it's say you know it can tell me, hey, you may have an issue with this down the line. You may want to take a a, a left turn here and you know do this particular diet and exercise and supplements and whatever the case may be, uh, interventions so that you don't end up with you know a predisposition happening to you. Um, and this is my passion now is to help people to do that and you know what i really want to dig into the weeds with you is because you're you're a you're um, a functional gynecologist um let's talk about women's hormonal health and what do you see like if we start with young women why are we not even told how our cycle works you know <laughs> like let's start there about talking about you know so we can get into some of the the hormonal things that i really want to discuss with you today Oh, yeah. That's another one of my pet peeves is we are not teaching women to embrace the women that they are becoming. We're not explaining the cycle to them and how to live and flourish with our cycle. We're training them to look at it as a a nuisance or an annoyance to get rid of and to cover up and not talk about and it's expected that it's uncomfortable and miserable and just something you have to push through. And it's all a bunch of crap. Like, honestly, (laughs) periods should not be miserable. Periods should be a mild inconvenience. And we should know how we're feeling the different weeks and why. So, I mean, I do a lot of educating on what are your hormones doing for those four weeks every month? And how are they shifting? How does that change your metabolism and your energy requirements and your exercise ability and your sleep and everything because 
if you know that, you can be like this unstoppable young lady who knows when to, you know, rest and recover and knows when to go out and kick ass and knows when to do what she needs to do. But we just like make it into this horrible thing that, you know, they're not supposed to talk about. They're just supposed to complain about and cover up with the birth control pill. Yes. So we have a lot to do. <laughs> and it sounds like it's all over the world, not just in the United States. Like it just the it's perverse what we've done to the, the whole thing. I don't know. Yeah, the pill you is know. I mean the, you know, sorry to interrupt, but yeah, the oh. pill. What what it was when I was 12 so, years old and struggling with periods and I had endo, as I found out 30 years later, um, they stuck me on the pill because it yeah. fixed everything, apparently. Right. Quote, unquote, fixed yeah. everything. Yeah. So <laughs> literally what it does is it shuts down the communication between your brain and your ovaries. There's this constant communication going back and forth of you know, your hypothalamus, your pituitary gland, your ovaries and your adrenals, they're all talking to each other. And the birth control pill shuts that down and gives you a fake period. And so it makes everybody think that you should be fine and dandy when in fact, you're not you're shutting down a system and potentially it never comes back online. So now we're seeing infertility go through the roof. Yep. Um, we're seeing that. <laughs> Yeah. And you're, you didn't actually fix the root cause of the issue. So as soon as you try to come off that pill, the endo comes back or the acne comes back or the mood issues come back, the fibroids grow back. So yep. it's just this band-aid. And even worse is now we're realizing it causes leaky gut mm -hmm. and that can turn on autoimmune disease mm -hmm. and other issues. So, I mean, it's just... A very slippery slope. I really encourage women to use it for its intended use. If you really need it for birth control, which I loved the pill. It got me, you know, without being pregnant long enough to finish high school and go to college and get a medical degree, right? Like I'm not knocking it for birth control. It's not made. It's not the end all be all pill. That is where the problem lies is yeah. we think that it's one for everybody and it's not. And, and it's okay to be on it for 30, 40 years like I was, you know, like. Right. And I they mean, try and tell classic. us it's not associated with breast cancer, but I'm sorry, the rates have risen just as much as, you know, with us being on this pill. And the other studies have shown synthetic progestins and yep. conjugated equine estrogen increase your risk of breast cancer that's what's in the pill so i don't you know i just don't buy it no and and, and <clears throat> this is the like it's the biggest it's the biggest experiment we've ever done on humankind perhaps bar the current situation it's another big experiment <laughs> we won't go right, there. <laughs> right. Um, but we, and we've, we've done it for decades and only now and people like me so I, you know was unable to have children um, which is, you know, tragic for me personally. Um, had endometriosis, fibroids, etc. Um, you know, all of these sorts of issues that could have been dealt with. I had issues, so I needed some help. Now, so I, you know, as I said, I, I studied genetics, and one of the big parts of what we do, one of our programs with the DNA company, is look at the, your hormones, your innate hormone pathways, both for men and for women, and understand what you're doing with your hormones and what pathway you're putting them down, and whether you're making, you know, the two hydroxy, four hydroxy, or you know, and what combination you're doing that, and then looking at your methylation genes and how that is processed out, and so on. So 
that we can make informed decisions about what lifestyle, what supplements, what food, and uh, whether, you know, um, being on the pill or HRT or BHRT, uh, bioidentical hormone replacement is a option for you. You know, all of these things that we can then look at and discuss based on your risk profile and your specific body, which is just fantastic. Um, and, and I think this is where like I'm so super, super excited for the future because this information is finally coming out and we're going to be able to help people, not only in the hormones, but in every area of life. Just interrupting the program briefly to let you know that we have a new patron program for the podcast. Now, if you enjoy pushing the limits, if you get great value out of it, we would love you to come and join our patron membership program. We've been doing this now for five and a half years and we need your help to keep it on air. It's been a public service free for everybody and we want to keep it that way but to do that we need like-minded souls who are on this mission with us to help us out so if you're interested in becoming a patron for pushing the limits podcast then check out everything on patron.lisatarmaty.com that's p-a-t-r-o-n dot lisatarmaty.com we have two patron levels to choose from you can do it for as little as seven dollars a month new zealand or fifteen dollars a month if you really want to support us so we we are grateful if you do there are so many membership benefits you're going to get if you join us everything from workbooks for all the podcasts the strength guide for runners uh, the power to vote on future episodes, uh, webinars that we're going to be holding, all of my documentaries, and much, much more. So check out all the details, patron.lisatarmaty.com, and thanks very much for joining us. Um, so can you explain, like, like I'm what they call co-dominant, so I'm estrogen dominant and I'm androgen dominant, so I have quite a lot of I make a lot of hormones and I have uh, quite a lot of uh, problems on both sides of the fence really <laughs> um, and then not the greatest methylation and detox pathways um, so that would point towards having things like fibroids and so on so now I, I know that I understand that and I can do things to you know help myself you're seeing things like PCOS endo all the time in your clinic and other you know, fibroids, all of those sorts of horrible things. What can we do to get our hormones in balance? And why do we need to work with, you know, a professional like you to actually make sure that we're doing the right things for our bodies? Yeah, I think this is a great question. And I see this all the time. I had a patient this morning. Here's a great example. She's, I don't know, she was 48, 49 years old. She just went through treatment for breast cancer. A decade ago, she had heavy periods, endo, breast tenderness, all that jazz. And she had an endometrial ablation because her bleeding was so heavy. She was becoming anemic. She was tired. She was training for a triathlon. She couldn't even finish the triathlon. So she had the ablation, no more heavy periods. End of story, right? No, because she was estrogen dominant in every sense of the word. And unfortunately, that estrogen continued to wreak havoc in her body. Mm -hmm. It's just she didn't have that outright symptom of heavy bleeding. And so nobody worried about it. And then 10 years later, here she cancer. is with breast cancer. Wow. I see this over and over and over again. Uh. And I will tell you, 
there are things you can do. I love epigenetics. I just had mine done with uh, Dr. Sam Shea. I can connect you to. Oh, I know Sam. Yep. Um, I've had him on yeah, the show. So yep. I have a comp mutation. I don't yep. methylate my estrogens yep. very well, but the rest of my pathways work well. So what can happen is, you know, we make three main forms of estrogen and the liver has two detox pathways that mm -hmm. the estrogen has to go through to get to the intestines to go into your stool to leave your body. Mm -hmm. So you have to have a functioning liver. And a lot of us don't because we drink too much alcohol. Thank you, COVID. <laughs> or <laughs> too much Tylenol for our aches and pains or different medications. And so we're not effectively getting our estrogen taken care of. Or we have a sluggish gallbladder. We don't have a gallbladder. So the bile is not grabbing our estrogens and getting it into our poop. Or we're constipated and we're only having bowel movements a couple times a week. And we got the wrong bacteria living in there, creating an enzyme called beta-glucuronidase, which yep. cuts the garbage tag off your estrogen and makes you reabsorb it. Oh, so wow. there are all these different ways that your body can not get efficiently get rid of the estrogen it used. Your fat cells make a form of estrogen called estrone that contributes to estrogen dominance. And then in our forties, as our, our egg supply starts to naturally decline as it's supposed to, we make less progesterone because we don't ovulate every month. And so that adds to the story as well. So I love getting your oh, genetics done for yep. individualized medicine. But if you don't even do that, there's things you can do. You can start having regular bowel movements, like yes. up your fiber, up your fiber. get the fiber going, take calcium deglucurate, help yep. you know, prevent that enzyme from recirculating, get your liver functioning better, throw out the alcohol, like save that for special occasions. You should not be drinking two, three, four cocktails every night before bed to handle COVID. I mean, this, we just have to yep. be done with that mess, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm um, so hearing you. So many things that we can do to help shift that state. And there's testing that you can do to see, like you mentioned, the different estrogen metabolites. So those three forms, they get metabolized down these different pathways. And 4-hydroxy is DNA damaging. Yeah. That's the one that increases your risk of breast and uterine cancer. It will damage your cells. It will like create havoc and so if you know that's too high then you can get proactive but mm -hmm. i say get proactive either way yeah. <laughs> you know? so yeah there's a ton of things that you can do but it's just not out in conventional medicine you know no. they're still practicing the way they did 60 or 80 years ago so you do have to like find a functional doctor or integrative doctor you know people who are looking at epigenetics and all these advanced functional tests and the gut microbiome which mm -hmm. rules everything, everything. So, yeah <laughs> yeah i mean there's answers to why you're struggling you know and it doesn't have to be that way oh i just absolutely love that and it's you, you, you're so right. I mean, I've you know done this podcast for now five and a half years, and I have professors and doctors and scientists on every week, and 
without fail, everybody is saying what has been done in the in the in the labs and the study, the research is tw- is twenty years ahead of what's actually happening in clinical practice. It's the average that I hear. You know, some say fifteen, some say twenty five, but it's on average around twenty years. And so people are not aware of this, so they go to their doctor, their local doctor, thinking they are up on the latest stuff, and they are not generally. Um, and then this is where I see like people like like myself who I haven't gone to medical school, but I've spent the last five years deep in the research and and gone and got qualified in the in the epigenetic space. And it's it's really helpful to be able my cat is being very naughty and playing with my <laughs> belly. <laughs> Go away. <laughs> Podcast life. Um <laughs> he wants to be put out. Um <laughs> You know, and, and understanding these pathways, like I know that my, I have very poor methylation just to share, you know, my, my journey. Um, so I don't make a heck of a lot of 4-hydroxy is, 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 is fantastic, but I do have a lot of, of, uh, hormones generally. So my SIP 1701 makes a lot of hormones. I keep a lot. I have a lot of androgen, um, high affinity with my androgen receptors it means I use my testosterone quite a lot. And, um, so I'm, you know, prone to things like fibroids and like um, PCOS or uh, I didn't develop that one, thank goodness. But I look after my liver. I keep an eye on my methylation. I have my, you know, adenosyl B12s and my, my folinic acid and my thing because I know that it's what my body needs. And I keep an eye on all of those markers and those those inflammatory markers. And that is really powerful and it's changed my life. I had a, I had a, um, if I can just share a brief story. So a few years ago, when I was dealing with my mum's situation, she was, you know, 24 seven round the clock care. I was running two companies. I was completely blowing myself to pieces. And this is when my um, fibroids decided to really wreak havoc. <laughs> um, and I started having, uh, so bleeding like no tomorrow, like just massive bleeding, like 300, 65 days straight bleeding and I was extremely extremely anemic having to have blood transfusions every week and they said to me look you are you are going to die if you don't have a hysterectomy you we can't keep giving you blood you know transfusions every week um to keep you alive you have to have your your um your uterus out basically and I said no I'm not doing it and then I went and researched and I studied and because we were still um going through IVF and I didn't want to lose the chance to have a child and um that's another very long story but it took me a year to work out which of the fibroids was actually causing the trouble and it had actually fallen down into the cervix and was still attached so that's why my, my cervix was open and it was just bleeding 10-minute operation to get rid of that one fibroid and I managed to save my whole, you know, I didn't have to have a hysterectomy and I've still got my ovaries and they're still, you know, I'm still menstruating and I'm still going through the IVF process now, you know. Um, And so this is just like I was told I would die if I don't. And they were wrong, you know. And, yes, I had to work like hell to work it all out and find a way around it. And sometimes a hysterectomy is the only way to to go 
but I'm very, very glad that I, you know, stuck to my guns and I and I kept working at it until I found a doctor who told me which one it was and I was able to get that one sorted out. Um, so it's just, you know, do, do you also see that we go to the, the hysterectomy route very, very quickly or the ablation route without looking at why have you got the fibroids? So, I mean, I dug why into, you know, into the why and that's why I ended up doing the whole hormonal stuff because now I can at least monitor where I'm at and hopefully, you know, keep myself safe. And I'm, I'm actually on bioidentical hormone replacement therapy, um, but I monitor everything. I do, you know, Dutch tests. I do my liver tests. I keep an eye on everything because I want the benefits of, of hormones because there, there are many. Um, and I take the right supplements and things to try to push it down the right pathways. Um, and, you know, it's something that I've decided to do and I've assessed my own risk and I'm taking that, you know, and I want other people to have that choice and that understanding and that requires quite a lot of education <laughs> um so yeah i'm i've, I've lost track after t uh, talking <laughs> my own story no there. i love so much that you're sharing your story because i'm sure so many of your listeners can relate to what you're going through i hear versions of that all the time we're all struggling together and unfortunately conventional gynecologists are surgeons we are trained to remove your body parts and that's how we fix things and i will tell you i loved doing surgery i loved it and when i finally took a step back and couldn't do it i realized i was doing it way more than I needed to, you know? And so I went from four to six hysterectomies a week, all these surgeries. I don't even do surgery anymore. And I'm healing more women because it's really not necessary, but it's the only, that and the birth control pill were the tools I had in my toolbox as a yeah. conventional gynecologist. And so now that I know better, I do better, but I don't blame conventional doctors. It's they're trained I was trained, yep. we're all trained in this like idea of find the disease and get rid of it or put a Band-Aid on it. We are not taught to find health and vitality in any form. We're, we're taught to keep you alive. So our mentality yep. is always fear-based. It's always like, oh my gosh, she's going to bleed to death. What's the best thing to prevent her, that from ever happening again? Just remove the offending organ. That's what we would say. <laughs> and you know, and now I'm just like, organs are not supposed to be removed. God did not create our bodies to need our oh, organs. Oh. I just think it's absolute garbage. Yeah. <laughs> the appendix, you know, surgeons call it the useless organ and they remove it any chance they get. They're in there for something else. They remove it. And uh. it's one of the most necessary parts of your immune and lymphatic system. And so... It just kills me that we have come to this mentality of just cut it out, especially when it comes to women. Yes. Men do not get their body parts removed the way women do. No one do. takes their so, testes off because it's hurting <laughs> or, or exactly, causing trouble. <laughs> exactly. First, we burn the uterus. Then we cut it out. We burn the ovaries. We cut them out. Then we take your gallbladder yep. and your appendix. Um, I mean, we just, we don't stop. And it's 
absolutely ludicrous. And people, we need to just say stop and let's look, let's think logically about this. Our bodies were created to heal. You need to remove the impedance. You need to support and replace and replenish and things will go back into balance. Like we're just... We've gone off the rails. Yeah, we have. And I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm so grateful for you sharing this because I think it's really, really powerful uh, information for people to, to have. And this is not just for, for women either, but this is just across the board that, you know, understanding that, yeah, if you go to a, a, a surgeon, they're going to chop something out. If you go to a mechanic, you know, it's just like, you know, you go whatever, it's, it's natural. That's what you do, what you're taught. And, and that we sometimes have blinkers on and we don't have, um, you know, and the whole the whole um, nutrition and you know that's just totally poo-pooed. You know, like when you go to the standard medical things, there's no even in this conversation at the moment around COVID and you know the situation. Our country's in complete lockdown still, um, and nobody's talking about what are your vitamin D levels and your zinc and your magnesium and are you getting good sleep and are you supporting your immune system and are you reducing stress? Because these are things, are you overweight? Do you need to lose weight? Because these are the things, the comorbidities, the, the, the things that will actually increase your rate. All we talk about is a vaccine. And, you know, I'm not anti the vaccine or anything. I think everybody needs to make their own choice, but an educated, honest choice. And I think we need to have open debate so that we're not just being shut down because we disagree with the, the party line, you know, or let's have open, yeah. open debate about it so that because there is consequences on both sides, there is consequences if you don't have the vaccine, there are consequences if you do have the vaccine. And we need to understand that. And having the experiences that I've had in my life, I don't just follow blindly, you know, because like, like the pill. Oh, it's totally safe. Woman, oh, jump on the pill. Then you're not going to get pregnant and everything's Bob's your uncle. And it's it's not true, you know. Like you were mentioned before with the pill yep. that um, they now know and it's been proven. Um, I've forgotten the name of the, the scientist who proved it, but the – the gut permeability, the leaky gut, you know, is very much affected. The pill really affects that. Um, and that, of course, affects your thyroid. And that affects your whole metabolism. Uh, and, 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 you know. And we're still, there's lots of things we don't know yet. It's an experiment that's been done on whole of, you know, 85% of women have been on or are on the pill worldwide. That's just horrific numbers. Like, like, where's this the biggest experiment that's ever yeah. been done? And now we're doing another big experiment. And it's just very frightening because we don't know all the pathways and we don't know all the implications of what we're doing. So, yeah, yeah I mean, think about all the women who've been on the birth control pills and all of the hormones they've peed out through their urine into the water supply that stuff's not filtered out of the water supply imagine wow. how wow. much other people are getting exposed we now see men have high estrogen levels now men are gaining weight the way women did they have man boobs they you know have more depression than ever before and it's because they're tired testosterone and estrogen have been affected and that's a big part of it the other big piece is plastics in our environment because they act like xenoestrogens or fake estrogens but I, I mean when I when I saw that fact about like how much is in our water supply it just blew my mind to think wow. like 
babies are exposed to this children we're seeing you know girls go through puberty as early as eight nowadays and this is what we've done you know and i don't want to freak people out but it's the truth yeah it's the truth and you perhaps we need to be freaked out so that we all start to collectively say hey we've got to change this we've got i mean the plastics in the environment so you know things like bpas um, act like for those listening act like um, estrogens in the body and dock onto the estrogen receptors and this is you know why we are becoming as a culture more estrogen dominant even if we don't have estrogen dominant genetic pathways and while we are seeing lots of young men who um, have more of a body shape of a woman you know um, more and more often with the with the man boobs and the you know love handles and things that they that if, if you look at children, and this is no judgment on them because this is not their doing, this is what we've been exposed to. This is in our food chain, this is in our water, this is in our plastics, this is everywhere. If you look at children in the 1970s and you look at children now, they do not look like they used to look. There's a hell right. of a lot more of obesity, and that's not just from estrogens and things that's from the the quality of our food chain which is a disaster in itself and i've done you know a few episodes on that um but we we we, we're not moving as much we're not you know i i i fear that we're actually going backwards in the longevity stakes you know like up until now we've been going up and and, and in in the last few years in america i know the statistics has actually been going down even though we have the most incredible technology and we're going to be able to live longer i'm super excited for the longevity space and what's happening and how much longer we're going to all be able to live but not if we don't change some of these basic things like the environmental pollutants uh, the plastics the phthalates the you know all of the stuff that's in our cupboards you know you go to a supermarket aisle where the cleaning products are and it's just like holy crap that's scary you know and then you go to your you know, your hardware store and it's even worse and this is what we're putting into our soils and stuff and we're just doing it like blindly un- unwittingly you know destroying things and it, it, it this is why these conversations and i'm not an expert on on all the toxins in the environment i know the basics you know i know enough to scare the crap out of myself mm-hmm. um <laughs> and to want to go as organic as i can um you know so I think all of these pieces are parts of this conversation that we need to be having. And I'm I'm just super excited to be able to to talk to someone so super educated and intelligent in this area, you know, who's come from a surgical background, um, who 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 gets what I'm talking about too, you know, and who's in that functional space. And to actually walk away from being a surgeon and doing all of that sort of stuff to doing what you're doing now is a big jump. And I bet you got a lot of flack for that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, my colleagues don't understand, you know, and that that has to be okay with me because my patients are getting better, you know, they're not coming back every couple months feeling the same or worse with the same complaints year after year. I mean, they're now saying, oh my God, I feel amazing. This is incredible. Like, I feel like I did 10 years ago. And it's just, it's so rewarding and it's so diff- so vastly different than practicing conventional medicine. I'll never go back. I never can't. Back. Once your eyes are open, you can't. And and I don't want patients to get 
upset with their doctors because like when I was stuck in that world, I was so tired and exhausted. I didn't have time to even look outside of my bubble to even know this whole world of health even existed. You know, I barely had time to read the necessary journals in my own health space that are required for me to keep my license and everything else. I didn't have time to go figure out who the heck Dr. Dr. Mark Hyman was and yeah, you know, yeah. What yeah. Medicine, like I did that because I was broken and the system couldn't fix me. So it was a personal journey I went on, but that's what I realized is doctors, they care about you. They mean, well, they just don't have any clue. They really don't know. And it's not their fault. They're stuck in a broken system. And so, so I explained to patients like, don't get mad. Don't get angry. Don't get to fight. Why won't they order the tests that you know need to be ordered? Because they just don't know. Just find somebody else and hopefully their eyes will be open someday. You know, all we can do is keep trying, keep educating, doing stuff like you're doing. You know what I mean? And, (laughs) and just it's it, it's a broken system so yeah, it's a broken system and it's it's it's, it's frightening that yeah it, it's very very frustrating though as a as a as a consumer or as a as a patient that you you can't get the basic things that you need in order to i mean i went through a journey which my listeners know about last year with my my, my dear father who passed away um wanting to get he had sepsis and i wanted to get intravenous vitamin c because i'm aware I, i'm i'm you know i know all the top scientists you know, the, the clinical studies, I, I had them in my hand. I was showing them to the doctors that he was dying and we've got no other options. I want intravenous vitamin C and I wanted in six hourly doses and I wanted this, you know, and, and, and I just got stonewalled, absolutely stonewalled. And they had no other question. And it wasn't about whether the clinical studies to prove it. It was about a legal battle. And I fought for 15 days and I, and I, I eventually won the right, but by then he was in multiple organ failure and we lost, we lost him. And I, you know, that's why like, I'm very, very passionate about this. This has to change. Yeah, they have to start listening and they are just totally inundated, overworked, and they're in this thing. There's also a certain amount of arrogance, I have to say, in the system where they think they're the ones that have been to medical school. You know absolutely nothing because you don't have a doctor title in front of your name, so you know nothing, so who the hell are you? And, you know, and that isn't okay. And that's starting to to change and that's, you know, that's sort of an old school way of thinking, but when it comes into critical care, it's very you know, very much like that. And they do know what they're doing with 90% of the stuff. But when, you know, when there is no other option, why the hell not? Why the hell can't I do that for my father to give him the chance, you know? Um, and, you know, that was that was just absolutely tragic, the worst experience of my life. And so I'll keep fighting for change. I'll keep fighting for intravenous vitamin C and, and, and all the other things. The story with my mum, hyperbaric oxygen therapy was a huge part of her recovery. None of what I did with her in the five years that I've been working with her, and she's now completely normal. I'll have to send you the book. Um, I've written a book called Relentless about that. Um, None of that was offered. None of that was told to me. It's people like Dr. Mark Hyman. It's people like Dr. Daniel Amen, uh, Dave Asprey. They're the ones that opened my eyes to this complete new world, and then I was off to the races (laughs) because I suddenly realized this is a complete world out there, and I can access all this information, and I can do my own research, and we have the power now because we have the internet, and we have access to PubMed, and we have, you know, incredible podcasts, people like yourself who are sharing, and this is why it's so important that you get your story out there. 
Can I just ask you a little bit? You you went through a, a, your health journey yourself. Can you yeah. tell me a little bit about that and how that played into you actually stepping away and, you know, mm. actually changing it now? Yeah. So when I got pregnant and had my baby at 17, I ended up um, having hypothyroidism. Well, I had a hyperthyroid storm and they said, you have Hashimoto's thyroiditis. They did an iodine scan and a radioactive iodine scan and burnt out my thyroid essentially. And then I ended up hypothyroid. So... I didn't know what any of that meant. I didn't think a lot about it. I was on medication for a long time. So then I ended up going to medical school and I tried to find doctors to help me with my thyroid issue throughout med school because I struggled so much with fatigue and all these other issues. And it was always like, just take your Synthroid, take your Synthroid. And that did nothing. And You know, even going through medical school training, there were times when I would start to think like, okay, I must have another autoimmune disease, or I must have lupus, or I must have some other diagnosis to explain. I never realized that the diagnosis I had was enough. I just wasn't treating it correctly. I wasn't figuring out the root of the issue. The root of the issue was I was living on garbage. I was drinking 10 cups of Starbucks a day to study. I was living on donuts and ramen noodles and, you know, drinking on the weekends and studying all hours of the night and not sleeping. Like I was stressed to the max. And You know, I went through that whole phase, I burnt myself out, but then I became a practicing physician and that's like, yay, I did it. Here I go. And I had two more babies and that wiped me out. And so I'm exhausted. I'm, you know, up all night delivering babies. And I had a back injury trying to run and get healthy. And... (laughs) I was told I had a hernia or I was told that I tore my hamstring and that I should quit running. So no exercise after my two months of exercise for a year. And then finally I started having pain down my calf and numbness down to my foot. And it dawned on me, Oh my gosh, you have a herniated disc in your back. And so I pushed for an MRI and lo and behold, (laughs) I had a herniated ruptured disc and they said, yep, you need back surgery. It's been long enough. (laughs) So I had back surgery. That was the hardest decision I've ever made because I couldn't see patients for six weeks. I couldn't do anything, but I was a good girl. I did my surgery. I waited the six weeks. I went back and on my third night on call, I re-injured and couldn't move. And here's what the surgeon said to me, Lise. He said, back surgery is like Lay's potato chips. You can't have just one. Uh (laughs) Now you need hardware in your back. You need rods and screws and a plate. (sighs) And I I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. Time out. You're not putting hardware in my back. I'm not even 40 years old. This is not happening. And I literally took six months off of work. And I found functional medicine and I healed myself. I've not had any more back surgeries. I run all the time. I exercise and play with my kids. Wow. I cleaned up my diet. 
I figured out my epigenetics. I started moving my body with purpose. I got rid of my stress. And the biggest one, I think, was I started sleeping. Yes, <laughs> so. which is very the biggest leverage point behind. Yes, you have to restore. Hormones. You have yep. to have time to rejuvenate and restore and heal all the damage you've done during the day. So yeah. if you're always damaging, damaging, damaging and never no recovering. You will die. And you, say you will die quicker and you'll age quicker and you will not be able yes. to perform. And oh, that's so amazing. Like I've got four discs. I had a, I broke my back when I was 21. I've got I had two discs that were gone and the, the vertebrae were broken, but the spinal cord, thank God, was intact, right? Oh. So so they told me I'd never run again. Um, I've run 70,000 kilometers since then, <laughs> by the way, <laughs> two and a half times around the planet. So they were wrong. Wow. Um, they told me I needed surgery. I didn't have surgery. Later on, I discovered after you know years and years of running, and I started to have major problems again. And um, I was having spasms, and I was on the ground you know, 10 times a day having spasms, and I was like unable to function. I was still trying to run ultras because I'm mad. Um, and as soon as I would stop running, I would have another spasm, and then I would just keep going anyway went like this and I thought oh my career is coming to an end I'm not going to be able to do this anymore I couldn't carry a backpack I could only run on the roads not on you know trails and mountains anymore and then um I actually started doing uh core training like massive amounts of core work to because they said look you've got four discs that are now gone basically they're just bone on bone there's nothing much there and you need to fuse the whole thing. And I'm like, whoa, <laughs> it's not happening. Uh, thanks very much. I'll see you later. Um, yeah. And I'd started doing really intense core work. I built it up slowly, properly. And I changed my diet. I got the infl- inflammatory markers in my body down, you know, improved all my health markers, started taking the right supplements for my body and, and so on and so forth. I haven't had any back pain now for nearly a decade. You know, That's and I've still got no things in my disc. It's still not there. They haven't regrown back, or I'm working on that one. I'm trying to find out what would do that, and there is stuff that <laughs> would do that. But I don't have pain anymore, and I had pain for my entire previous adult life with my back. You know, so and I know it can be done without surgery. Again, without surgery, it's just well, you have to have this head through the wall now. <laughs> and I'm not saying like all surgeries are definitely don't do them. Obviously, if you break your leg and it's sticking out that way, you need a surgery, you know. Right, right. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but sometimes you need to go and take a time out and go, hang on a minute. All right, I got that. I got that opinion. Maybe I'll go and get a second or a third. Maybe I'll start trying because what I what I um I have this wonderful doctor who I actually have my mum under, Dr. Elizabeth Ewith. You have to check her out. She's at the Boulder Longevity Institute. She's an orthopedic surgeon who who's like you, who went to functional medicine and is now a longevity specialist and works oh, with peptides it. and all of this sort of stuff. Crazy, amazing lady. Um, she's 60-something and is is like a super athlete, like just amazing. Like, yeah, she, she obviously knows what she's doing, right? And um, yeah. So she she says too, like I was doing surgery, 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 and people just coming back and back and back. And I'm like, this isn't right. And so that's when she started to step away and go into things like peptides. And I don't want to butcher her whole story, but you know, it's it's an amazing story. And now she helps people and she says a lot of the back issues that we're seeing are related to your gut health, you know. Uh, or are your nerves are you not innovating right? Are your muscles not activating right? There is there are other things at play besides the mechanical bones, you know, and we need to yeah. look at those first 
perhaps before we go and grab the surgery because you can if you you know cut out the crap in your diet get your inflammation under control look after you you know take some butyrate or you know tributyrin or something like that that was going to help you with the gas and the right the right supplements and, and 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 exercise exercise is absolutely a crucial part and sleep and those are the two like nobody wants to hear the basic stuff I you know, know. <laughs> they want you to know, give you the fancy stuff and there is the fancy stuff like peptides and stuff which I'm into as well but it's um sometimes the sleep and the hormones you get those right and the gut health yeah exactly everything and else the whole world changes yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, this has been absolutely amazing, Dr. Tabitha. Yes. You're a rock star. Um, you work with people uh, all over the world. Yeah. People can reach out to you. Um, how do they work with you? How do they find you? How do they learn from you? You know, give us all that great info. Oh, my goodness. So they can check out my website, drtabitha.com. It's D-R-T-A-B-A-T-H-A. No I's, just A's. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, the closest to you, I have a, a client in, New Ze- or in Australia. So oh. not far from you, but all over the world. Like, I will see you. We just do a Zoom call. You know, it's really really amazing what you can do nowadays. Test kits can be shipped to your house. It's pretty incredible. So I work with women all over the world virtually. You can go to my website. You can email me. You can go listen to my podcast, the Functional Gynecologist Podcast, which Lisa's going to be on. You know, I just, I cover all the topics that we deal with on a regular basis. And it's just looking at it through a different lens of, you know, not conventional medicine, not from your disease or your diagnosis. It's like, What's the root cause? Where? Why is this happening? And what can you do without medications and surgery to fix it? So it's it's pretty fun. It's amazing, and you know, I think you know what you've done in your life is absolutely incredible. To to yeah. to have the bravery to step away from you know the successful big doctor career, so to speak, and to go into another form of doctoring that's <laughs> uh, <laughs> actually much more you know beneficial to the world. So um, thank you for your courage, your bravery for sharing. Sharing. Thank you for having such an open mind and being able to share because, you know, the, the 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 deficit that I have is that I don't have that medical background. So I have to make up for it in other ways. I have other skill sets and so on. But, you know, it's really, really cool to talk to someone who's been in both camps. And this is why I love Dr. Youth as well, which I really would love you to connect with here because she's just yeah, amazing. Yeah, for sure. Dr. Elizabeth <laughs> She's my favorite, favorite person. Um, so check her out. And, um I think, you know, we will definitely share all your links. We'll get everybody to come and check you out. And ladies, if you're struggling with your hormones, you know, maybe come and do some epigenetic stuff with me. Maybe go to Dr. Tabitha and and work this stuff out. This is so important. This is so, so important that you get your health right to look after your families. So thank you very much, Dr. Tabitha, for for your time today. Thank you. This is my pleasure. Thank you so much, Lisa. That's it this week for Pushing the Limits. Be sure to rate, review and share with your friends and head over and visit Lisa and her team at lisatarmaty.com. 